0: It's time for Building the building Game, the building game, the game with, Jason with Jason and Friends, for tabletop the game is with Jason fun and friends. it's at the end of the, of the episode,
1: episode, that's when it technically ends.
0: ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February 15th, and you're listening to episode 455. As always, I'm your host, Jason, here today joined by our third mentee. Very, very excited to have her here all the way from Australia. We have Kiri Bear. Hey, Kiri. How you doing?
1: I'm great. Thanks, Jason.
0: It's awesome to chat with you. It's It's been quite a while, actually, since we first did our chat, since you were third here. <laughs> it's been yeah. a couple of months, actually, since we chatted.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, what a crazy time it's been in that couple of months. <laughs> right.
0: it has it has it we always joke that the months lately have felt like years so you know um yeah yeah
1: we're cramming a lot in there
0: we are uh we despite all of the technology's best efforts we have managed to record tonight first we had uh wi-fi issues broadband issues then audio issues and we've conquered all of them (laughs) and we're doing this yeah so well um I would love to hear a little bit uh, about you for the listeners. I've already heard it, but I would love for the listeners to hear a bit uh, about uh, who you are and uh, you know um, who, what what you do with game design. Who you are in general. So yeah, other than the fact that you are from Australia, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. so you can talk about that too because that's also pretty cool. But yeah, <laughs> so.
1: I yeah I live in the the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, Australia, with my wife uh, Melissa. Uh, and my son, part-time Atticus, uh, he's 10 years old now, um, about to turn 11. Actually, he's already claiming that Uh, he's 11. Sorry. I'm sure he's
0: already Um, saying he's 11.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the tradition of many children before him, um, he's in, in fifth grade, I think you would call it. Um, and yeah, what else can I say about me? I work as a facilitator. I'm kind of freelance, um a bunch of work with different organizations i'm super into like personal development and um and also nature connection i suppose is my other great love and i play the ukulele
0: Um, oh that is a good skill to have you uh with that just so you know you follow in the footsteps of some other great game designers uh well one that i can think of bruno Cathala, uh designer of many many games uh also, once serenaded me with a ukulele uh, on a podcast. So sadly, no one else got to hear it because it was before we started recording, but I promise it happened. So anyways, yes. I believe you. Uh, I believe you. My, so,
1: one yes. of my um, peak moments of last year was um, finishing up a four-year Dungeons & Dragons campaign at level 20. Uh, and at a crucial moment, my DM, um, my, I was playing a bard. And um I had to like pull out a song and my DM was like, surely you have something, Kiri. And I whipped out the ukulele and played <laughs> Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House. Brought the house down. It was just oh, wow. absolutely perfect song for that moment in the
0: game. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. Wow. Like, yeah, you know, I remember playing D D like when I was I, I haven't played in years just because scheduling is always so hard and but I love it. And I remember the first time we had a DM that was like, "Oh, you're a bard. Oh, tell us, tell us a joke." The person was like, "I'm sorry, what?" He's like, "Tell us a joke. Earn your bonus. Show that you're show that you're a bard." And and they were so mad. And I thought that's epic that they were so to hear you actually getting to do like a ukulele solo is amazing, amazing. And it's a good thing you were playing a bard too. So.
1: Well, it seems to be a thing with me. I notice now, like I always play characters with high charisma because I just love the yeah the witty repartee
0: right right, right <laughs> so um so I'm curious how um how long have you been designing uh um, board games
1: yeah look i it's sort of i guess that journey started for me um in earnest uh at the end of twenty nineteen. My friend Haley Cooper Ryder, who's a specialist in um in collaboration, was super mm-hmm. interested in and on also my my four year long dungeon master, uh, game master. So Haley really got me into it. She had one of those white box things and she's like, I wanna I wanna build a board game carrying like if you've got a spare afternoon, just come over and we'll we'll start. And so yeah, like she also knows about like agile design and clever things like that. And yeah, so yeah. We just sat around with another friend and just started making this game um, uh, that that was about teaching people how to do collaboration better. So it's it's kind of, mm-hmm. that game's called Awesome New Project. It's still happening. Um, and, yeah, it's sort of a simulation of people coming together to work on a project to try and get them to think about, like, how to do collaboration better. Um, and right, Haley's right. big thing is, like, um, watching having watched people play d over however many years being like these are mad skills that people are developing that are really useful in the workplace mm-hmm. and I want to like unlock that give all the Dungeons and Dragons players all the role players of the world opportunities to bring their skills to work um, yeah and then after a while Haley was like you know it's really great that you're helping me work on this game like is there anything that you want to do and I was like oh Well, actually, yeah, because I'm like, like I said, I'm like super into personal development and particularly this body of work called possibility management, where they talk about feelings and about kind of the power of feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I was like, yeah, I want to be able to introduce this to my 10 year old. I want to introduce this way of thinking about feelings as superpowers um, to my son. And so that was kind of the start of the feelings game was this notion of like, yeah, how do I, how do I create a really engaging board game? Because my son absolutely loves board games. It's totally his passion.
0: <laughs> Sounds um, like a good kid. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he's also really mad on, on Dungeons and Dragons. And just this year, actually, since he's been back at school, is um, he's DMing his first game for um, oh, some of his wow. classmates, the, um, the old lunchroom. Dungeons and Dragons. So um, yeah, I'm very proud of him.
0: I would be as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um so that was my initial thing. It's like I want to build a board game that is going to introduce some of these concepts, these notions of the relationship to our feelings being a good thing and a superpower, and kind of starting to understand the different parts of of ourself, um, in a fun and engaging board game that my son is really gonna get into.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So that was kind of your inspiration to start off on this journey as a game designer was to, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's awesome um, to have that, you know, yeah, I think it's great when there's this moment in something, you know, that clicks like, oh, I want to be able to do this, you know, and, uh, and kids are great motivation for that too, right. To help you uh, want to um, be able to show them things. And I know that a lot of my design work, especially of late, I've loved working with my kids on projects. They both want a game design. And so, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that's cool. Um, in the other thing you mentioned too, that is really interesting to me is, so you're into personal development and things like that, which of course I work as a development coach as part of my job. So that's, that is something that very much speaks to me, which, uh, I found that out when we first started chatting the, uh, the first time we talked before you came on the show and, um, yeah, I, I love, love, love the idea of gamifying things that can then be used um, within the, um, you know, within the workplace. I've I've been doing a bit of that myself over the pandemic, trying to work with companies and play games with them um, to help them, you know, have a good time, but also learn things like how to communicate better, right? Or uh, I think that developing games to help people do projects is fantastic because so many people that run projects or do projects are not good at projects. <laughs> because it's a really hard thing to do. Right. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, running a project well and succeeding is, is hard. It's not, you know, I mean, at least it feels hard for most of the time when you try.
1: Yeah. And I feel like what people get when they do kind of project management training is a lot of like the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of running a project. Yes. But what really trips projects up is that human dimension, like the relationships the yeah. stuff that's happening at home outside of the project that's impacting on someone's performance or like their own feelings, like they're like feeling fear or uncertainty about something and they're not speaking that out. And so it's just like this kind of hidden um, block.
0: Yeah, right. And I think so many times um, if you've got project managers that are disconnected from a business, right, that are just kind of their own thing and they say, okay, here's the schedule. We we worked it out, Right. And then that schedule hits the human element, and the schedule just goes right. It's just like, nope, right? Because you have to account for those things. And so, I think that that more, I guess you would call it like soft skills training, is really, really important. So, putting that into a board game, I think is fantastic uh, as a way to get people, um, you know, into it. Um, because I mean, project management really. It's just a game, right? It's just not. It's not a super fun game, but it's a game, right? <laughs> it's a game where if you lose, you get fired, uh, but if you win, you just keep your job. So, like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so this opens up this whole other interesting dimension, which I haven't, I think, actually mentioned to you. But so Haley and I and a couple of other friends have got together and like started a, a board game studio over the. Over the lockdown period, basically, like, I'm a freelance facilitator. My work went out the window. Fortunately, the government, like, had some care packages in place. So I had some free time. We started a board game studio. Um, And one of the things that we've been doing is kind of, like, gamifying our our working culture. So we're, like, setting it up like it's a role-playing game. We've got like character sheets that talk about like what we're good at and what we want to get better at. Um, We've got this process called the night sky. So we have a discord channel. There's a channel called the night sky in that. And we um, like every week we start our meeting by giving each other stars. Like this is all the things that I appreciate that you've done this week, or you can also give stars to yourself. cool. Yeah. And then we use that as a tool for reflection every month to kind of look back on like, what are we, what are we kicking goals on? What do we care about? What do we need more of? um yeah so it's kind of turned into this whole kind of like as well as trying to produce stuff externally that helps people think about those human dimensions and bringing their whole self to work and managing that better we're also kind of using that inwards and like how do we make all of these things more fun how do we make policy and procedures more fun to talk about (laughs)
0: because there's got to be something right yeah yeah. (laughs) though i it's uh rob who used to host the show uh with me his wife is uh is like a is like a pmp queen she's amazing and she's jazzed about him like i listen to her talk about him and she's super jazzed about it because that's what she's passionate about Mm. and i'm like i I don't get it i don't get it so um so yeah i think being able to help people with that is is fantastic so um so I'm curious, uh, what was your, uh, what was your, tell me about your experience. Uh, well, first I'd love to know how you found out about the tabletop mentorship project and what got you into it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my friend Logan, I think had done the mentorship in a previous iteration. Um, he's, you know, really interested in doing, um, like tabletop role-playing games. Um, so he'd done the tabletop mentorship. Uh, so I think I found out about it from him and, um, In terms of my experience, it was just really lovely because I think um, you know I've been working on the feelings game. By the time I joined the mentorship program, I'd been working on it like on and off for like nine months. And like when you get to those crunchy moments where it's like "Ah, Mm -hmm. I know that it needs to be different, but I don't know what to do with it. Like the mentorship program is really helpful in um, just having someone there that I was talking to every couple of weeks um that kind of kept me motivated it's like oh i'm meeting with jack tomorrow i better do something (laughs) um and and also kind of helped me get over some of those crunchy kind of like you know i was doing lots of play testing and getting feedback and the feedback was like really taking me in different directions so it's really hard to know Uh, yeah what to actually do with that um And so having someone there who's kind of more experienced, who can kind of be like, well, you don't have to listen to everything that everyone says. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, Super helpful. And even just sharing his own experiences. Like I um, spoke to a friend who's going to do some illustration for me. And um, yeah, Jeff had just like, he'd worked with an illustrator before and he's like a super humble guy. He's like, I think you'll find out pretty quickly, Carrie, that there's a lot of people that know a lot more than I do, but I still found his experience super, super helpful. Just to have hear him say, like, I worked with an illustrator and this is what's happened. And this is mm-hmm. um, some of the things that went well. And these are some of the things that went not so well. And this is just hearing his story. Um, I could learn so much from that. Mm.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that is um, I, the, the feedback thing especially when you're a newer game designer. I mean, I don't, I think it gets easier. I think feedback is always something that is super critical yet. And you'll, you'll get really used to getting, but still sometimes you'll just get thrown for a loop on what to do with it. Um, but I do think that it gets, it does get somewhat easier to start to dilute like, okay, what is my, what do I want for this game? And what is, you know, is, is, is the feedback this person's giving, does it make that better or does it make that different in a way that kind of strays from my, um, from my core, you know, what I, what I want out of this game, like what my kind of, um, you know, I'm missing the word here that I'm looking for. uh, but kind of, you know, what the, what the main thing you want your game to do, what the goal of your game is. Right. And, uh, and you can take that feedback but you have to stay true to what you want that game to be, what your vision, the vision, yeah, that's the word I was yeah. looking for, uh, for that goal, for that game. Um, and that and that, that gets easier when you can say, um, you know, this is what I want and I can accept other feedback, but I have to understand that sometimes that person wants a different game than I want, but it's my yeah. game. And that's okay um, that they want something different. Because um, I, I know I've fallen trapped before of, of following other people's suggestions and advice, even of other game designers who I respect. And then realizing that that's taken my game to a place where it's not the game I wanted to design. And then I just stopped working on the game. Um, and you don't want that, right? Yeah. Um, you want to keep yeah. the game true to what you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but you also want it to be the best that it can be. Right. Um. Which is, there's the, that's the tricky dynamic, right? That's the tricky bit of it is having to know yep. what makes it the best, but keeps it true to what I want it to be, you know, and that's, that's tough. That is, that is something. So I'm, it's awesome that your mentor was able to help you through that and um, making some of those decisions.
1: I love the way you articulated that though, that, you know, this is the game I'm designing. It might not be the game that you want to play.
0: Right, right, right. And I think one of the things that I always try to tell people is, and this is important. If you're giving people feedback is to say like, if they're, if they have a style of game and it's, it's not your style of game to say, Hey, this is what I enjoyed about your game. This is what I didn't, but I don't tend to like bidding games. Right. Like I don't like auction games. Right. That's not true. I love auction games, but you know, you can say that. Right. And, and then they understand that. Okay. So my feedback is not necessarily going to be, you know, the specific feedback you're looking for and that's okay. That's totally okay.
1: My Achilles heel is social deduction games. Like, I cannot lie to save myself. And I've been banned from being the ghost in Mysterium because they're like, Kiri, when we're talking about it, you, like, shake your head when we get it wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, not oh, every Oh, that's game. funny.
0: Yeah. That's funny, and I love social deduction games, and I love trying to pull one over on other people and stuff, in, in a game setting. So, um, yeah. But I, I've met people though, like you, that are like, "Yeah, no, I can't. No, I can't do it." You know, like
1: <laughs> deception's just not my thing.
0: <laughs> there there is some try, value though. in that as a, as yeah, a person, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oh gosh. Um, so, how frequently did you did you uh, follow like a set schedule with your with your mentor and, and meet consistently?
1: Yeah, we met up every fortnight.
0: Um yeah. that, that, that means two weeks? Is that every, yeah, two yeah. Yeah. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. Sorry. I'm a dumb American uh who's not as educated. I was pretty sure it meant two weeks, but um but I could have been wrong. So yeah. yeah. Actually, it sounds good. way better than two weeks a fortnight, you know? It sounds much cooler. I can see why you say it. <laughs> so, you met consistently on a schedule for like yes. a, a bit every couple of weeks. Um, did you focus? You know, uh, did you do some play testing like in Tabletop Simulator?
1: Yes. Yeah. We tested yeah. Uh, together in Tabletop Simulator. Uh, he helped me create like a cell sheet for the game. Um, and I tried that out with some local publishers. Not to any great success, but like that process was really helpful just to clarify things for myself and like, who's the audience and why am I doing this? Um, the feelings game is kind of a weird, uh, a weird egg because it's um, it's definitely got that element of, of board game and being like a fun and engaging board game, but it also mm-hmm. has that kind of therapeutic dimension around the conversation about feelings. Um, right, right. So it's sort of um you know, like that's a, that's a beautiful creative space of innovation, but it can also be a bit awkward in terms of like, who, who is like the right publisher for this? Who's going right. to get, well, and
0: who's the audience, right? Like Yeah. You know, um, or yeah. Yeah. It, it, and I truly believe that out there, there is a publisher to fit every, every type of game that you would want to publish mm-hmm. Um, because there's lots of publishers and they all like to do different things. Right. And, you know, but but it's um, it can be really difficult figuring out um, which publisher is is the right fit, uh, especially if you have an, a, if you have a game that's kind of a different kind of different kind of you know a horse of a different color, if you will, mm-hmm. um, because that's yeah because it doesn't just fit into a simple box, right? Mm. Um, I know some of the hardest games I've ever pitched are games that just are not as easily defined as it's this type of game, right? It does these things. Um, and when you have that, it's a lot easier to say to a publisher, this is what it does, right? Uh, mm. But that uniqueness is still is still a really good selling quality, right? When you have something about your game that makes it different, that makes it stand out, mm. um, that's not a bad thing either. So <laughs> mm. that's a good thing as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's been a really beautiful thing to see yeah, obviously my son is like my first playtester, my first audience. Right, right. And see the impact on him over time, like when we were first playing the game. So there's a mechanic in the game where players, um, at certain points, they can get like a bonus or like a little token um, if they share a memory about a feeling, whether it's anger or sadness or fear or joy. Those are the main four feelings that we focus on in the game. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've seen my son go from, like, oh, uh, I don't really have anything to share. I can't remember any, any – I can't remember when I felt angry, for example. Um, And then being, like, oh, that, you know, he wants the token because it gives it, like, a serious <laughs> game advantage. So then he's, like, all right, I'm going to come up with something. Be, like, oh, yeah, I was angry when I lost at Mario Kart yesterday. Um, it's a to, valid time like, to be angry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to then, like – coming to the game like being more used to it and coming to it later and and being like, oh yeah, I've got a memory about anger. I was angry at school yesterday because I finished all my work and my teacher wouldn't let me play. Um and sort of yeah, so it's been amazing to see that impact on him that um right. you know f- going from that kind of tokenistic like I'll share something just to get the the token. <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um to like that being more part, that awareness of his feelings being more part of his ordinary kind of conversation and dialogue so that right, he's right. really readily able to bring it into the game.
0: That's really cool. Well, we've touched on this a couple times. Let's let's talk about your game. Let's uh, flip yeah. the script here a little bit. Let's talk about the game because uh, I've got a lot of questions about, um, about where you're going with it and stuff. So um, yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about the feelings game, which is the current game you've been working on. Um, so tell me yeah tell me about it
1: so it's um it's a a maze building game and it's cooperative uh all the players start in the same place and they take it in turns to um flip tile cards and build the maze outwards um Mm -hmm. and the tile cards are different colors so they're mapped to different feelings anger sadness fear and joy um at the moment um So there's a phase of like players taking turns, building out the maze, moving through the maze. Uh, And the aim of the game is to kind of get to a treasure. Um, And yeah, I'm kind of still working on the the theme and the story around the game at the moment. It's a treasure tile, but that might change um, as we go along. Um, Right. Right. And so then, so there's the kind of the player phase. All the players have their turns. They build the maze out. And then it's the the gremlin phase. So the gremlin is like a, a kind of a trickster figure that comes onto the board. And all the players pull a, a marble out of a bag. And depending what color the marble is, different things happen. So if it's a mm-hmm. a blue marble that's around sadness, all the blue tiles spin in a different direction. Mm, um, okay. Okay. And, yeah, sometimes the Gremlin also kind of chases them across the board, um
0: oh, okay, okay,
1: as the game goes on, they get the opportunity to kind of befriend each of the feelings, and then the feeling when what happens when you pull out the marble changes, so at the start, when you pull out the the anger marble, the red marble, um you go straight to a kind of dead end. It's like anger is you know frustration, you get stuck in this dead end um. Mm-hmm. But later on in the game, when you get the opportunity to befriend your anger um, and you get that through a dice roll, you then um, flip the the anger power card. And then when you pull out the red marble, you get the opportunity to walk through a wall. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the idea is the feelings kind of start off as being um, obstacles or barriers and then as the game progresses they become powers that help you navigate the maze get away from the gremlin um, and then the other th- the mechanic that's in there that's significant is that whenever you turn over a maze tile that's a particular color blue or red or yellow or green
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. you
1: can share a memory related to that feeling and get a token which you add to your dice rolls
0: Oh, okay, okay. So it just it kind of gives you a like a skill up bonus on your dice rolls, yeah, yeah, to help. Um, yeah. Um. So how do the players actually maneuver through the maze? Like, what's the movement look like on that?
1: So they've all got like a little pawn that just mm-hmm. um. Uh. And yeah, they've got sort of two actions that they can use on their turn. They can like mm-hmm. explore to a new tile, which means they flip over the tile and move onto it, or they can just move a space with their action.
0: Oh, okay, okay. And so the tiles—do the tiles have different pathways on it, or is it just so like if I if I step onto one tile, that would only possibly lead me to other certain tile directions, or yeah. is it like a freeform movement?
1: It depends. Um, some of the tiles. Are, like, all the tiles have pathways on them, basically. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's a crossway, so you can go in any direction from there. Sometimes it's um, a dead end or a, just, like, turning a corner or or just a straight section.
0: And then how do you figure out where the treasure tile? Like, does that come out only at a certain point or...?
1: Yeah, so once you've befriended each of the four feelings, then you shuffle the treasure tile into the, the deck and um, oh, you'll okay. to try and all get right. to there.
0: And that is so it's cooperative. Um, so does everyone have to get to the treasure, or just one person has to get there, or
1: everyone gets to the treasure? Okay, yeah, but cool. they can. Help but you all have other. your own
0: pawns, correct? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So cooperative. Um, and then with the uh, so with the gremlin, what like what happens if the gremlin catches up to a player, or
1: yeah? So if the gremlin catches up to you, it sends you to the swamp um which is kind of in the middle of the starting tile uh and you have to roll a six to get out of the swamp but again if you've got tokens you can use that to add to your dice roll
0: right right so those just like um you are those one-time use so you use those and then they're gone yeah Yeah. okay and they just give you like a plus something plus one plus one okay but can you use multiple at once?
1: You can use multiple if at you one. had stacked
0: them. Yeah. yeah. So I like I roll a 1 but I'm like darn it I got 5 I'm spending them. Exactly. <laughs> I want to get out of this swamp.
1: Exactly. Hence like I was yeah, saying cool. before like over time my son's like yeah I want all the tokens so I can do yeah, all the right, things. Yeah, right, right. Yeah.
0: Right. Oh that sounds really interesting. Well how like how many tiles is it? I'm trying to get a like a size idea here for um
1: uh, I think there are there's maybe like 30 in the deck. Um, I've got some here. So So there,
0: well, what's the, what's the, like when the maze is fully out, how many tiles do you normally expect to be in there? Is it?
1: I think there's like five per feeling. So that's 20. And then there's oh, some okay. kind of neutral tiles. So it's maybe, yeah, when it, when it's fully out, it's probably about 20 tiles, 20 oh, or 25. Cool.
0: cool. And it's, it's not necessarily a square, right? Because you just kind of, it depends on where you explore. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It goes all so, over the yeah, place. So yeah, that's
0: cool. So that that's, that's got to have some nice table presence there then with, uh, you know, as it flips over and seeing how it's growing. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think there's a real sense of satisfaction for players as well. in kind of like making the path and like joining it up and like, you know, mm-hmm. creating different yeah. branches and then connecting them to each other
0: which I'm sure helps you get around as the game moves on, right? Mm. Because once that treasure comes out and you need to get to it, right? You've got to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And that's yeah, been- when you said... Oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: Oh, that's been one of the challenges too, like really, and I think it's still a bit of a challenge, like cleaning up that end game, like getting everyone to the treasure tile can be quite, how it has been with some iterations of the game, quite painful. And so it's like working out how to... Right, right. Yeah, speed up that, like, oh yeah, we can all get there. Um, once it's on right the right
0: yeah yeah i guess depending on how that sprawl ends up working out right you could end up on some like wicked like arm somewhere having mm-hmm. to come like spiral arm trying to get back into it um oh that's really interesting the uh i was gonna ask something what's what's the play time on it
1: it's about an hour yeah Uh, It depends a bit, like, how much people get into the, like, sharing their feelings side of things. Um, Because, yeah, if people really get into telling stories about the last time they felt anger or sadness or whatever, it can, yeah, it can get quite long.
0: Oh, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, that's. The good thing about that is, you know, game length is such a fickle thing, right? For like, you want the game weight to match the game length to match kind of the weight in the experience, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, and so I think that when you've got people, the game is basically only going to be long if people are into it, right? So that's okay, then, right? That gives it permission to be longer. And if people yeah. are more into having a quicker game, then they can have a quicker game, you know? So um, that's good. I think that that's kind of self-balancing. And for like, is the game too long? Mm. Having the ability to have people, you know, like, hey, we're really into telling these stories. Okay, so the game takes two hours, but we were all super into it. That's okay, right? Mm. Um, is is there a lose condition? Like, is it possible to lose?
1: Um, There kind of is. Like, I've been it's definitely like that's like a weak point in the game like there's not a really clear lose condition sometimes i've played it where it's like if everyone is in the swamp and then the gremlin comes to the swamp like that's that's the lose condition basically right right. everyone gets caught so to speak
0: yeah yeah it's um yeah that's that's tough and I, i for a game like that too you like do you want a hard lose condition? You know, if kind of the whole point is to like press on and like complete it together. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, that's tough. Right. Because I mean, if it's all about like playing the game, but also exploring not just the game, but your feelings it's, um, yeah. So far
1: I haven't really stressed the lose condition. And when people have Mm -hmm. played it, it seems like just being chased around by the gremlin creates enough tension for it to be enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. Even without having a like, oh, you've got to get this or you'll you'll lose sort of thing.
0: Right, right. And I, I mean, I don't. I think depending on the game, it's not imperative for there to be a hard lose condition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, um, I was working on a co-op game recently, and it started as not a co-op game, and then it became a co-op game. And I was talking to a publisher about it, and they said, "What's the what's the lose condition?" And it's a kids game, and I said. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> like, I didn't even think about that because it wasn't a co-op and then it was, and I just decided how you win. And I didn't think about a lose condition and that game needed one. So subsequently it's, it's had a harder lose, not, you know, like and a more obvious lose condition built in. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't want to inhibit the progress that people are making throughout the game. So that's, mm. that's interesting one of the earlier comments I was going to say was when you set a maze for some reason, like I pictured like a square or rectangular maze. So that's why I was so enamored with the idea of like these like stretching arms and how like it could really sprawl out differently each time Mm -hmm. with the way you've got the tiles growing. Um, I think that's a, that's a really good choice. And like I said, that's fantastic table presence for in person. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just stuff like that just looks good when you're playing it, you Mm -hmm. know, and gets people's attention is there you're playing it at a convention or even like, if you were playing it at a school or in an office, mm. um, I think that you know, gets people's attention.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I initially had it cause I really liked the idea of uh, a maze that was constantly kind of shifting around. Um, and I initially had it that you kind of, you laid all the tiles out, um, in a grid um but they moved around as you were playing and it was just super annoying like having to move <laughs> the tiles all the time so right, right, right. um then i heard about subterra and i played subterra and i was like this is the mechanic that is gonna work like
0: right yeah. right yeah yeah it's it's you know i've had that issue before where you think of something and you're like you're thinking in your brain like okay this is how this works and you picture oh we'll just shuffle the tiles and move them back and forth and then like you go to do it and you're like this is awful like <laughs> it's just so much physical upkeep yeah 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 i've had that exact same problems with where because in your brain it works so well right yeah um we were even joking recently that uh i was showing a game to some friends and like tabletop simulator and i said And sadly, like, we're going to have problems when we pull it out of Tabletop Simulator because some of this stuff just works, which is funny because that's normally the opposite. Normally, Tabletop Simulator makes things harder. But Mm -hmm. in this case, it actually makes it way easier um, because it just does some stuff for you that you'll have to do on your own. And um, so thinking about that, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's the same type of thing where you just imagine it working very differently than it did when it actually hits the table and you're like, ah so so i'm curious what are your what are kind of your goals and hopes with that game to what what are you hoping to do with it
1: um yeah well i would yeah i would like to see it um out in the world like i would like to publish it um and Mm -hmm. be able to share it uh yeah because i i think there's still so much room for that Conversation about feelings, or just that understanding of feelings as being there to help us. So often in the, in the world, we see our feelings as kind of a liability, as unprofessional, as as weak. Um, and I guess, yeah, that passion to teach my son that, like, no, your feelings are there to help you. They're there to help you navigate right. your life. Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, so I would love to be able to share this game and that kind of understanding with the, with the broader audience.
0: Um, Yeah. So you, is that something you you mentioned, you showed it around to some local publishers with sell sheets and stuff. Um, Are you, would you, are you guys, are you open to options of like finding a publisher or doing it yourself feel like a Kickstarter or something or.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I had a feeling you were going to say that.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm, I don't have clarity about that pathway. Like whether I can find a publisher who would be able to put this out for me or whether the only way for it to see the light of day is to go through a Kickstarter. Um, If I'm going to go through a Kickstarter, like, yeah, it needs more work. It needs like good graphic design and illustration. Um, At the moment, it just has the kind of basic kind of stuff that I could do in Figma. Um, mm-hmm. for myself and it do, you know it doesn't look bad I've had some good feedback about the look of it but it could look a lot better like I, I want it to be beautiful um, so yeah I guess I'm kind of at that point like do I go the publishing route or do I go um, self-publishing Kickstarter route um, my, my hesitancy around Kickstarter is like yeah like I can see it's so much work and there's so much kind of it is a
0: lot of work, yeah.
1: A finicky detail around the process of actually publishing a game um, that I don't necessarily have, but my my board game design crew at Amble Studio are like, well, some of us have some of those skills, so we would support you to do this. You wouldn't be on your own. So right, right, yeah, it's it's a possibility. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, there's certainly pros and cons to both. Right. I mean, the easiest thing you can do is sell it to someone else. Right. I mean, that's, mm. you know, that's why most of most of us designers are out there selling our games to publishers because they do the heavy lifting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Um, but but certainly, you know, Kickstarter, you know, when you have a game like this, that's different, um, that could stand out, you know, there are some big positives for that on Kickstarter there are some negatives to that on Kickstarter too, right? That it's, it is different, right? Which mm-hmm. while that will attract attention of some people, that will detract attention from others who are looking for, you know, the next minis game or whatever. Um, that Um, You could just put a bunch of like, you know, really good miniatures in it, like monsters and stuff. Make the Gremlin look real good. 3D, people mm-hmm. get real jazzed about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. They do get jazzed <laughs> about that, but it's probably a bad idea. Um, But yeah, you know, I, I think that, yeah, a game like this on Kickstarter, it's all about how it's marketed, right? You know, yeah. and, and how you find that audience. And I, I think one of the things not to discount with looking for a publisher is looking for a publisher out of mainstream publishing, right? Like you should check mainstream publishers, but also think about like educational publishers and things like that, right? Mm. Because there's uh, more of that around than you would imagine, which I've learned doing research and... um you know, and and because your game could easily fall into the realm of being useful for education, mm. um, it's worth looking for those different types of publishers as well. I think. Mm. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah, and certainly, like the publishers that I've uh, pitched to is uh, someone local who specializes in kind of personal development resources
0: or therapeutic resources. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um. And they were just like, Oh, we don't actually publish other people's games, basically. Like Yes,
0: yes. Mm. And that is um that is a wall that I've run into more times than I have ever expected. For going to a small studio and they're saying they're like, No, we don't that this this is a fit, but we don't we don't do that for other people. Mm. So um yeah, yeah. It's that's that's interesting, right? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, um,
1: I'm really curious, though, because I hadn't I think America is a much bigger market, and you probably know of a lot more publishers that might be like even small publishers that might be in the realm of um, interested in a game like this. But I feel like I don't have that knowledge
0: right. right. I, I mean, there the market here is 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 huge, right? But I mean, the nice thing is, you as a designer, it doesn't matter where you live as long as you can access those publishers, right? Because mm. um, just because you're in Australia doesn't mean you can't get um, somebody, uh, you know, an American publisher or a European publisher or whatever, you know. Um, one of the things to a resource I would suggest to check out is to go to Cardboard Edison. Um, mm-hmm. And they have this huge compendium they put together of uh, all sorts of like tons of publishers the type of games they're looking for, and how to reach out to them. So that's probably a really good resource to check out. I know I've used it multiple times, and it's like you pay for like five or 10 bucks for it or something. It's not expensive. And then it's this huge spreadsheet, and they just keep updating it. It's amazing. Um, So anyways, highly recommend that. Um, That is always a great resource for just looking at publishers that you think, oh, this might fit. Um, And if you think, oh, this one could fit, then you go to their website, look at their games, and you can kind of see you know, if um, your game is up their alley, right? Because that is, I think, one of the biggest challenges as a designer that you want to try and get right is pitching to the right publishers where at least your game fits, right? Mm. Does that make sense, mm. you know? Um, 100%. Yeah. Cause I, cause... And I
1: think it's particularly important with a game like this that has a very clear intention behind it Um that that doesn't get kind of corrupted or like disney or something.
0: Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, that's, and that's, that's a fine line, right? Like I, I've worked on a couple different games where I've been very guarded about the theme or the co-designer was very guarded about the theme and not wanting to change the theme and not wanting to turn it into something that it's not right. Um, and uh, and you do relinquish a lot of that control when you sign a game. I mean, you can say to a publisher, I'm going to sign this game, but I need you to do it this way. And then they can say, okay, and then they can still not do that, right? I mean, because legally they can do what they want. Uh, it is funny you said Disney-fied, though, because one of the first things I thought of as you were listing the feelings was that Pixar movie, um, Inside, Inside Out, Out right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a tie-in. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But... Um, but i know what you mean by disney five you're, you're referring to you know like yeah yeah i get it um
1: I, I disney's come a long way since i was a child so they're trying, you know, props they're trying to yes. them props to them but yeah so yeah
0: they um they're very excited when they like look at the representation we're showing now and I'm like well yes 15 years probably later than you like you've missed the train for a while some <laughs> of the stuff way more than 15 years but you know Um, you know, a lot of the LGBTQ stuff, like they have, are finally getting on board with some of it. Mm. It's like, y'all are way behind the curve on this. Um, yeah, but I think, I do think they'll get there. Right. I do Mm. think they'll get there. Um, but gosh, get there faster. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Certainly
1: not holding my breath on that one.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. They have too much money to make and uh, they can't risk losing <laughs> any of that money by upsetting the wrong people. You know? uh, yeah. It's frustrating. Oh, Disney. Sorry. That was a, yeah, that was an aside there folks yeah. <laughs> about our love and hate of Disney. <laughs> uh, but so where are you, you know, just kind of as a, some closing thoughts here. I, I'm curious, where are you, you know, so you've talked about the studio, right? Um, mm-hmm. that you're working on, what are your goals with that, with your, uh, with your other, um, uh, the, the other people you're working with on that?
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, broadly our goals, I, we would like to start making a living from doing stuff around board games and games in mm-hmm. workplaces. Um, yeah. So at the moment what we're doing is kind of developing up a workshop around Awesome New Project, which is the game that Haley has mm-hmm. built, um, that we can sell to workplaces. Um, and, yeah, so that's one kind of goal is start getting some money in the door. Um, another goal I think I mentioned to you before, I've been working on a, a version of For the Queen, but it's called For the Awesome. Um, <laughs> and that's uh, – yeah it's kind of a it's a card game that's based on uh like collective storytelling through asking a series of questions uh and so again it's kind of a a way of simulating a project or getting people to imagine what it might be like to run a project together helping them to tell a story about the project um and it's it's designed to be kind of ridiculous like not uh a common everyday kind of work project. though I suppose you could play it that way. It just would be less fun, really. Um, yeah, as a way to kind of get people's creativity flowing. So that's something I've been working on with with my team at Amble, um, that we'll probably just release um, on itch or something like that, and just mm-hmm. make it available as a print and play for people to um, kind of get to know us and, and what we're about. Um, yeah, so there's that as a goal. Um, yeah, I guess, to be honest, like the way that I see Amble is like uh, this kind of engine of of connection, this engine of creativity. It's like us getting mm-hmm. together, playing games together, having fun, building stuff together uh, with the hope that we'll then just produce stuff that will help other people work better together and relate better to each other.
0: Um, yeah, yeah
1: yeah
0: that is a that is a very solid goal to have so that's we need more of that in the world yeah so much needed in the world with that um gosh yeah there's uh yeah we need more of that so no that's that's really cool and did you are you hoping to focus a lot of your design energy within that team um, are you hoping to work outside of there on other projects as well? I mean, I, you may not have answers to all these questions. They're just these are the things that pop in my head that yeah. are interesting to me.
1: No, they're good questions. I mean, I, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I'm a facilitator. I do training around personal development, and communication. Um, I kind of deep work around understanding the stories that drive you and and learning how to shift those. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm one of those people that's excited about a lot of different things. And so I, know the I, can't, feeling. <laughs> I can't ever quite imagine just committing to like one kind of creative project. Um, but all of those things kind of feed each other. I guess for me, like what's at the heart is this notion of transformative experiences, experiences that really shift the way people understand themselves and their relationship to the world. And, uh, And yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing in all of these different ways. And, um, it's just about, I I guess I like having lots of different lines in the water and they don't always all pan out, but, um, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, if a couple of them do, then that's, that's enough to go on with.
0: You know, and I, I want to highlight that because I think there's not enough of that in the world where like so many people feel two different types of pressure. I feel like, and this is, I see this with game designers, with friends, with people in business, um, like that the idea that you can just throw some different lines out there. And if, if, if some of them get hits great. And and if some of them don't, that's okay too. Right. It's about the experience. It's about kind of following your creative path on those things. And that not everything has to become something amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that we are allowed to explore these other paths And these ideas and these little projects that that may not turn out to be much, but that experience was was probably still worthwhile, I think, a lot of times. Um, So I like that you put that out there um, Mm. because I think that's important and more people should think about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like what's what's worth doing, even if you fail. Um,
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, and also like i don't know i find it really hard to answer questions about things like your 5 year goal or even your 12 month goal because oh gosh yeah i find in my life like it was nowhere on my wish list to become a game designer it was not on my bucket list at all right right and it has been so much fun like i cannot tell you how much i've enjoyed this whole awesome. process um so it's just like yeah i get a bit um I don't want to tie myself down because inevitably the things that happen, if I just keep following those moments of kind of joy and excitement, um, the mm-hmm. things that happen are way better than what I thought I wanted for myself. Um, so yeah, so now I'm a game designer, and look, I'm here like on this legit podcast, being a game designer. <laughs> Two whoa, years whoa, whoa, ago whoa. I do had...
0: you call them oh, legit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Two years ago, I had no idea that this was um going to be in the cards for me. Uh, and now I'm here and I'm like, this is great. This is so awesome. Life is amazing. Um, You'd certainly
0: never know what to expect, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll just keep seeing what happens.
0: <laughs> I, love, I love that idea. So um, well, on that note, I think that's a great ending note. So thank you so much for being on this week. Um, we're going to have you back, uh, again, probably in a little over a month or so here. Uh, we're going to start cycling back through, uh, the mentees and, uh, and next time so that the listeners kind of know. And so that, so that, you know, in case I forget to tell you, we'll, uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll chat about some sort of game related topic of, of your choosing and, uh, it'll be something different and it'll either be just be you and me or you and me and one of our other, uh, lovely co-hosts, um, to chat, depending on, depending on what we're going to chat about. So, um, Yeah, so I'm excited uh, to have you be part of the show. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I appreciate your perspective. And uh, yeah, so. Awesome. So uh, listeners, thanks again for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach out at buildingthegamepodcast.com. There you can find our information for Discord, where you can join our Discord channel. Uh, I'm there. Lots of other listeners there. Kiri is there as well. and chat with her. Um, also, uh, you can email us buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Call us at 770 BTG. You can find us on Twitter, of course, at PodcastBTG. I'm at JA Slingerland. Uh, Kiri, are you on Twitter?
1: I am. I am Kiri Bear on Twitter. All right.
0: So at Kiri Bear. And um, yeah, you can find us on all Facebook and all those other fun podcasting places. So until next week, good night.
1: Good night. Building the game which isn't in friends which
0: isn't in friends building the game building the game which isn't in friends which isn't in friends dial 770 tell BTG. please don't use the email